welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the Give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa, and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Romans chapter 12, verse 4 to 8. I want to pick it back up on this again. I shared a little bit about this last week, but I'm going to start with this. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 to 8. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. So we are connected to and a part of what the Bible calls and what Jesus calls his body. He is the head, we are his body. The body moves in the direction the head turns. If we are connected, we are playing our part, we're a valued member of the body. Okay, If we're not playing our part, we are a fragmented member of the body. We're still a member of the body, but maybe we're a paralyzed version of the body. It's like, you ever seen those zombie movies? The church sometimes looks like a walking zombie. Can I just demonstrate it to you? Because people aren't playing their part, right? If the ankle is connected to the body... And the ankle is not playing their part in the body because they got offended in church and now they're out of church. They're still a part of the body, but the body is dragging them around like this. And the world wonders, why does the church look so funky? Why does the church, why isn't the church doing this and that? Well, because the ankle is at home only ever watching online. The ankle is at home only critiquing what's not happening in the church. So that ankle decided to start a home church. No, I'm just joking, but not joking. If it's healthy, great. If it's not healthy, you know. But this is what happens. We're still all connected to the body. But if the body is not coming together and playing a functioning role, then the body looks funky. The body looks weird. And that's not the body that Jesus Christ is coming back for. If you read in Ephesians chapter 4, he's coming back for a spotless, blameless, mature bride. We are called the bride of Christ. He is the groom. We are called the bride. And he's coming back for a spotless, blameless bride when we're united together, playing our part, building up the kingdom. And one of the ways we build up the kingdom and advance the kingdom is by coming together as a local expression that makes up the larger body of Christ and playing a role in a city wherever we are planted. That deserves a coffee break. So it says here, we are many parts of one body and we, are all, we all belong to each other. Verse 6. In his grace, say in his grace. It's only by his grace. Everything, everything is by his grace. By his grace, you're here. By his grace, you're still living. By his grace, you didn't die last night in your sleep. By his grace, you are here. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So every one of you has a part to play. Every one of you has a piece 
to bring to the puzzle. You are a part of God's puzzle, and you are a part of, you are one of the pieces. Every piece has a role. I remember, just sorry, this is a random analogy. No, I'm not going to go there, actually. I was going to say, when we had, when we talked to our kids about sex for the first time, we, we used, we used the, the, the pieces of a puzzle. It's a great analogy because these pieces fit together. You see what happened when you jam these, these, these two pieces together? Everything gets bent out of shape. And it was a great analogy. But this is the body of Christ. See, and this is why I'm saying this because Jesus, as our groom, he calls us the bride. And we, in our relationship, in context to community, are a reflection of healthy relationship. That's why Jesus said, if they look at you, they'll say you are my disciples because of your love for each other. Because you're able to collaborate and function together as one, as pieces that fit in the bigger puzzle, the world will say, those must be your disciples. So I say that to say is that when you, if you are a piece of God's puzzle, you have to see yourself as a valued piece of God's puzzle because if you're not playing your role, we're missing a piece. And the whole picture then is not displayed for the culture. You see what I'm saying? It's God's desire according to Ephesians that the church would display the manifold wisdom of God. And the church is not the organization, it's not the building, it's not even the Sunday gathering. The church is what the Bible calls the ecclesia, which are the people, the called out ones, the living stones that make up the temple, that make up the church. You are a stone and you fit in a specific place, in a specific side of the wall to create the New Testament temple. There was an Old Testament temple that was bricks and mortar. The New Testament temple is you. You carry the glory of God wherever you go. You are an ambassador of the glory of God wherever you go. So everyone listening has something to do within the body of Christ to advance the kingdom. Think of it like the weight that you lift in life. Anybody here lift weights? Okay, we have a problem in this church. <laughs> does, anybody here lift, does anybody here go to the gym? Okay, okay, that's a little better. Okay, we'll work with this. We'll work with this. Got a few people in the back. Sports, okay, sports, fitness, whatever. Okay, well, even in sports, you all lift some sort of weight, right? And you know that when you lift weight, you grow and get stronger, right? Well, the body of Christ gets stronger when everyone is lifting some weight. We're all contributing to the greater good. And I want us to think about community like this, that we are all part of lifting some weight. So I want to ask you the question today, what can you lift? David, what can you lift? John, what can you lift? I know your traps can lift a lot of weight. What can your arms lift? What can these bad boys lift? What can you lift? Bring, and I want us to look at this from this vantage point about bringing our peace in this, in this season. And the reason why I spelled it a little funky is because we have the peace that we are called to bring, the P-I-E-C-E, -E, and this contributes to building God's house in the spirit of peace, P-E-A-C-E. -E. They're both synonymous with one another. And I want to read something in First Chronicles chapter 22, verse 7 to 10, speaking of David and his heart to build a house for God under 
in, in the Old Covenant time, in the Old Testament, David had this heart. The greatest king that Israel ever had had this heart because there was no house for God. There was no physical location other than the temporary one that they had built in the wilderness. And so the ark of God, which was representative of, of the presence of God, had no physical home, really. And so David's heart was, I want to build the best house for God. I want to house the ark of God, which is the presence of God. People are going to come, and they're going to encounter God. They're going to meet God, and God's going to meet them. And so he says in 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verse 7 to 10, David said to Solomon, his son, David had a son named Solomon. And he said, I wanted in the worst way to build a sanctuary to honor my God. But God prevented me, saying, you've killed too many people because he was a man of war. Fought too many wars. You are not the one to honor me by building a sanctuary. You've been responsible for too much killing, too much bloodshed. But you are going to have a son, and he will be a quiet and peaceful man, and I will calm his enemies down on all sides. His very name will speak peace. That is Solomon, which means peace. So here he is. Solomon, his son, is going to be the one that builds the actual house of God. Solomon's name means peace. And this is, there's a, there's a very, every detail in Scripture is very important. And this is why we all need to be, um, have uh, a perspective that's prophetic in nature in the sense that we look a little deeper than just the, at face value. Everything is there for a reason. God is very detailed. If you look at how he designed the temple, he was very detailed. Very detailed. He was the best interior designer. And... He said, it's going to be Solomon, your son. He's going to be a peaceful man. He will build the house of God. His name speaks peace. His very name is peace. And I will give peace, it says. I will give peace and rest under his rule. He will be the one to build a sanctuary in my honor. He'll be my royal adopted son. I'll be his father. And I'll make sure that the authority of his kingdom over Israel lasts forever. So here we have David, the greatest king Israel ever had, has the heart to build the house of God. But he's not the one that's going to do it. So his son which represents legacy, is going to build the house of God because he's going to be a man of peace. He's going to build the house of God with peace because everything that's built, that's kingdom, is built on a foundation of peace, never bitterness. Peace, never division. Jesus said it like this, a house that's divided against itself cannot stand. Hence the illustration of the Jenga tower. If you keep getting divided and you keep taking blocks out of the Jenga tower, let's, let's call it representing the body of Christ or even the local expression of the body of Christ in a church setting like this, you take out the pieces, you get them fractured, you get them offended at the church. The church didn't do this. The church didn't do that. But yet they're still part of the body. They're still a block. They're still a Jenga block in the body, but they got fractured and they were disconnected. Well, the more holes that you have in the Jenga tower, the more ability for the thing to topple over, right? A house divided against itself cannot stand. So everything in kingdom is built on the foundation of peace, which is why it's so easy to see. When you see somebody building something out of bitterness, it's only a matter of time before they crash and burn. If you build a life with a backdrop of bitterness, it will bite you in the butt at some point. But if you build a life on the foundation of peace, which is a fruit of the Spirit and part of the nature of who Jesus is as the Prince of Peace... You'll win. Where was the temple built? It was built in a city called Jerusalem. Jerusalem means city of peace. All these things were not by accident. 
It's a declaration and a statement for us that when you build in peace, you will build God's way. Start a relationship off in peace. Chances are it will remain in peace. I'm not saying that God can't redeem, but peace is a huge starting point that we all need to have in any heavy building or heavy lifting in life. You know, at the beginning of the year, we talked this through a little bit, and we kind of camped out in Romans chapter 14, verse 17 to 19. I don't know if you remember this. And it was the, the passage around the kingdom of God, the three foundational pillars to build anything in a healthy way. And then we, we said that we're going to do our best in this season to build this way as we rebuild after coming back from 100 Sundays online. Verse 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness, say it with me, and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So goodness, righteousness is the word. Goodness, righteousness, is synonymous. Righteousness, peace, and joy are how we advance the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Those are the foundational pillars. If we're going to build anything that expresses the kingdom, it has to have righteousness, peace, and joy. You may have a different opinion. Everyone has opinions in here. You may want to argue about what we eat or drink, like he's talking about. It's not a matter of the peripherals, not a matter of the things that you ingest, not a matter of those things. What the, what the, most, important, the most important part of this whole equation is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So here's the thing. You're either a lifter or you're a drifter. You're either lifting something in life to build something in your career, in your job, your current workplace, in your family, in relationships, in the house of God, or you're a drifter. Drifting from job to job, relationship to relationship, thing to thing, because you never want to find grounding. You never want to work through the challenges that are in front of you. It's easier to drift than lift. It's easier to just quit and move on over here and move on over there. And I'm not saying God doesn't do that. God does transition you. But you know if you are a drifter or a lifter. If you're planted somewhere right now, whether it's family, whether it's career, whether it's a church, a house of God, a community, whatever it is, an organization, if you're planted somewhere and you're lifting some sort of heavy load, then you're a part of building something. And hopefully everybody in this room has something to lift in this season. But I want to talk about this concept in the context of a healthy community where everybody is lifting and bringing their peace to the table. Everybody is lifting. God planted you wherever you are in life for a reason. And you cannot be planted if you're all over the place. You're constantly jumping from thing to thing. You can't have a healthy marriage if you're never present. There are people that, uh, that, that I, you know, um, that, I, that I talk to all the time about, you know, they, oh, they go to this church or that church or they're, you know, part of this thing or that thing. And I'm like, oh, awesome. Like, I find out after conversations, they go like once every three months. Well, you're not really part of that until you plant yourself and are building with them. You can be an observer, and there's transitional seasons for that. You can be an observer, figure out where you fit. But once you figure out where you fit, you need to get planted and put your roots down. It's like a relationship. There's only so long you can date. You can date. You can't. I mean, you're dating the same church for five to ten years, and you've never planted yourself. Well, 
probably there's some fear of commitment. There's some fear of relationships, fear of what if people actually know me for who I really am. It's easier to be a drifter observing from thing to thing than actually be a lifter and carry some load and have to carry other people's load sometimes because, you know, it's part of relationship, part of community, and it's heavy sometimes and it's hard. And, and Galatians says it's the law of the Lord to carry each other's burdens in Christ. And it's hard to carry each other's burdens in Christ because it's heavy sometimes and we feel anxious about it and we don't want to do it. it. It doesn't feel good, but it's a part of growing. If you're lifting something, guess what? Your body is growing. Your spiritual body is growing. If you are going to the gym, if you are in some sort of fitness regimen, if you are lifting some sort of weight, guess what? Your body and your muscles are growing. Well, if you're doing the same thing in the context of the house of God, you're strengthening the body. Not just yours, but those around you. You can have the paper of being married but if you are not present, you are drifting in your marriage. Jesus in Mark chapter 4 verse 39, he was in the boat in a storm. The disciples were in a storm and he was in the boat. And you know the story. The disciples were supposed to get up and rebuke the storm. But Jesus got up and he rebuked the storm and said, peace be still. He released peace. Because when you have peace... Think about this. Everybody finding their role, lifting their load and bringing their peace to the table, playing their part. When you have that, you have peace. You don't have division. You have unity. You have peace. And when you have peace, guess, what's, guess, guess what happens? You can make it through any storm. The only reason why they got through the storm is because they had the Prince of Peace himself with them in the boat. So the storm happens, Jesus gets up, and he releases peace to the storm. Because when you have peace and you have unity, because everyone's bringing their peace, there's strength to make it through the storms of life. The reason why the church, so many people are mad at the church, which is you. You are the church. Like, Revelation, newsflash, like the people, we are the church, the people, not the building, not the organization, not what people call organized religion. That is not the New Testament church according to the Bible. The New Testament church is the ecclesia, which means the called out ones that are called out with a specific assignment to represent the kingdom in the earth. You are the church, so if you're mad at the church, be mad at yourself. Because you're the church. Because you can either critique on the sidelines or literally continually be part of the solution. And no one's going to do everything the way you hope they should do it. And I get it. Some people have been really hurt by the church, which we should maybe just use the word people. You've been hurt by people. In your workplace, in your job, everywhere, you've been hurt by people. Somehow the church gets it differently. You've been hurt by people. People are messed up. I get it. People do stupid stuff. I get it. And there's trauma. And some of you maybe have some childhood trauma because of it. But it's time to move ahead and realize that, hey, we can be a solution now. Jesus gets up and he rebukes the storm. I mean, like, and I, I've always said it like this. Like, you can go to the gym alone and you can lift weights. But when you have a partner with you, you can lift way more weight. You have way more faith to lift way more weight when you have a spotter with you. I know, I don't push myself very hard when I'm not with somebody. 
because there's more potential for injury, right? Well, when you're working and building something with community, you're going to push yourself harder because you're seeing what this person is doing. Wow, look how much they're lifting. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to lift this, and I'm using that as an analogy because you're inspired by where people are at because you're with people doing the same thing. So you could go alone, and you could grow, and you can get, you know, some gains, and you can see all that, or you can go with people and be encouraged, inspired, and have exponential growth. This is what it's like with church community. You can watch church online, and you can grow. Study the Bible alone, worship alone, hang out with Jesus alone, and you need to do all those things. But there's, a, there's something that happens when you do all those things as well with people. There's a, there's a, there's a, a unity, there's a love, there's a, a strength that comes that does not come when you're only alone. It's like you don't have to go to the mechanic if you have a car, but it sure helps. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian, but it definitely sure helps. And when I say go, I mean go in the traditional sense of how we, most people think about it. Come to a gathering, be a part of a community. You don't have to do those things to be a Christian, but I'm telling you, it helps a lot. It strengthens yourself, your soul, those around you. You have a role to play with other people in their lives with you missing, they're missing something. The challenge and the problem that we have right now in the ecclesia as a whole is we don't see that we have value. The church has no value for me. And whether it's been spoken to you or it's been communicated to you that you have no value or you've just accepted a lie that you have no value, that you are not, you don't play a part in God's Jenga set or in the tower called the, the house of God, you don't have any part to play. Maybe you believe the lie. Let me tell you, when you're missing an action, someone else is missing something. I believe when we lift our peace, we bring order to the chaos. The same way that Jesus brought peace to the storm. And I just want to identify three quick things here for us. The peace, three quick pieces that I believe we're called to lift. And as we do, we bring peace and order to the chaos around us. Number one, the peace of current need and skill. The peace of current need and skill. Write that down. Because in Second Chronicles chapter 2, verse 5 to 10, when... Solomon was talking about the heart for the house of God. I said, he said, I, I'm, building, I'm building a house. He said, I, the house I am building has to be the best. For our God is the best. Far better than competing gods. This would have been considered like a $52 billion temple. Imagine that. That would get the, head, that would get the attention of uh, CNN and Fox News and social media. Church builds $52 billion temple. They must be a cult. Right? But in our dollar, that would have been what it would be. And this was God's design, you guys. And let me tell you, the silver and the gold belong to God. Like, it's all God's in the end. It's all God's in the end. Like, God doesn't need your money. It's all God's. God is full of resource. And he's like, I am going to set this thing up, and I'm going to make it the best house possible. I'm going to partner with Solomon's vision that this house has to be the best. But he goes down and he says, after verse 7, he says, I need your help. And sometimes you just need to find your peace or bring your peace by joining in on where the greatest need is. Sometimes you don't know where you fit, but you find a place to fit. Where is there a need? 
Or maybe it's the skill. Maybe you have some sort of skill set that you can bring to build the house of God in a, in a, in a powerful way. Maybe it's a skill set you have. You are responsible to steward that skill. God has given you that skill for a reason. He goes on to say, okay, I'm going to get some leaders, which we'll get into in a second. But he said, find me some trained craftsmen. This is between verse 7 and 10 out of the message translation. Find me some trained craftsmen in Judah and Jerusalem that my father provided. Give me the skills. Give, bring me the skills. Bring me those with the skill sets, those that have the trades, those that know how to build, and those that know how to construct because we're actually building something physical here. I think it's pretty cool, and I just want to highlight, you know, Rebecca Dappa back there, she just had a baby, and she just started playing the drums on stage with her worship team like three weeks ago. Like she's bringing her skill. She's bringing her skill. Now she could have said, well, I need like, you know, three years off to build a baby into a toddler before I, but she just decided, hey, I see the value of bringing my skill to the house of God. And she's jumped in. I'm not saying that everyone has to do it that way. I'm just saying that I see the value. When people bring their skill, it brings the value to the house and it builds the house of God. It's contributing to the greater good of what God wants to do. Romans chapter 12, verse 7 says, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. All of us have an ability in some way to serve, to find a place to serve. It may not be your greatest gift, but you all have something to bring to the table. Number two, write this down. You may be part of bringing the peace of leadership. That's part of what you're called to lift. Solomon said in verse 7 of chapter 2 of 2 Chronicles he says, send me a master artisan in gold, silver, bronze, iron, textiles, a purple, crimson, and violet who knows the craft of engraving, and he will supervise the, trains, the trained craftsmen. He was looking for leaders. Some people are called to be leaders, leaders of tens, leaders of fifties, leaders of hundreds, of thousands, of ten thousand. Some people are called to be leaders. I believe there's a, le a level of leadership within all of us. But then there are some people that are called specifically, maybe it's because of the season they're in, to lead within the house of God. Without leaders, we wouldn't have stuff like connect groups. You know, I, I this one testimony that uh, just I was looking back over, over some time and just reading testimonies of, of connect groups back in the day, and I just want to read this testimony here, and it has to do with connect groups. Recently, she says, my son collapsed at work and was taken to the hospital after being examined by the doctor, he was told that the steel boot shoes he was wearing for the past few years had constricted the blood flow in his left knee and his arch was completely gone and the muscles in his foot had atrophied. The prognosis was not great and he walked and he was directed to see a physical therapist who would try to help him rebuild the muscles. The next day I attended my connect group, which this week we launched connect groups, of course, as you know. And I asked the ladies to pray for my son. The ladies prayed for a prayer of faith. A week later, my son attended his physical therapy appointment after examining his feet. The therapist, to her amazement, noticed that the arch had come back. Not only that, but the muscles that had atrophied began to work. Since that miracle, my son's life has dramatic, uh, dramatically, dramatically changed. He's come back to the Lord, married the woman of his dreams, and the supernatural has become a commonplace in his life. Recently, he told me my life has been changed from the inside out thanks to your church. That happened in a connect group. 
Another, another woman in this house writes this, when I arrived at Kingdom Culture, I was hurting. I was separated from my husband and life was looking bleak. About a few months ago, into coming to church regularly, I joined a connect group and my life has significantly changed for the better. During my separation, my connect group became my sanctuary. Every week, they kept believing with me that my husband and I would be reconciled. Well, God is incredible. Not only has God restored my relationship with my husband, but he has given me back my family. Soon after, my son made a decision after the experience to follow Jesus. Wow, I'm so thankful for this ministry and my amazing connect group. We would not have connect groups if we did not have people that brought the piece of leadership to the table. See, everybody has a part to play that facilitates God to do something that he's always wanted to do and he wants to do. It says in Romans chapter 12, down in verse 8, Later on in the verse, if God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. God's called you to be a leader. Take it seriously. Some of you know God's called you to be a leader, but you're holding back. Maybe you're fearful of what it's going to look like. Here, this is what I tell you. If you are a kingdom person, to be a kingdom person, you have to be willing to be led by the Spirit. And being led by the Spirit means you're going to walk on waters that are scary sometimes. You can't live in kingdom. You can't see the supernatural happen in your life if you never take steps of faith. Because you're always trying to analyze all the details. It's like saying to your wife or your husband, giving, like bringing them through an interview process, do you commit to never be sick in life? Check. Do you commit to never be depressed and down in your life? Check. Does it work like that? Sometimes you got to take the leap of faith. I love you. I'm willing to lay my life down for you. I don't know all the variables, but in sickness and in health, I'm there with you. I don't know how it's all going to go down. I don't know what's going to happen in our life, but I'm for you. I want to make this covenant with you. Number three, the last piece that we are called to lift within the house of God is the piece of generous sacrifice. It says in Romans chapter 12, verse 8, if your gift is giving, give generously. And we've talked about this many times in this house, about this word, what it means to give generously. The word generously literally means without complication. Generosity is never complicated. If it's complicated, it's not generosity. The word for generosity literally means without folds, without complicated, without being complicated. It's simple in its motivation. If your gift is giving, give generously. Man, I remember, I remember like years ago, years ago in this house, thinking back, and I, whenever I look at my iPad, I remember an experience, actually. Every time I look at my iPad, not this iPad specifically, because I've had a few over the years, but my first ever iPad that was actually given to me by somebody, I remember it was like, at that point in my life, it was like, I only ever used an iPad to speak from. So I had everything. It was like my, my whole world was wrapped up in the iPad. And I remember like years ago, we had this experience back at our old location on Ogilvy. Some of you might remember this. Some of you may not. But, uh, or you weren't there, so you wouldn't remember it. But I remember so on Sunday, the, Sunday, the experience went for four hours. Went four hours long. And I remember part of the reason why I went four hours long is because we had this outbreak of giving happen, like generous giving happen, and it was like just off the charts. And I remember 
being in the experience and feeling like I needed to do something physical. Like we had been in a conference leading up to that point. I think we'd like probably given in like all of us were like like nine or ten offerings. It was like wild. And I, I mean, we were seeing crazy miracles that that uh, weekend. It was just off the chain. I remember saying to God, I'm like, I don't really have anything left to give. Like, I think my bank account's dry at this point. But God's like, but you have this. And he showed me my iPad. He said, when you give this iPad in the offering, it's going to do, it's going to shift something. So I got up and I just said, I feel like I'm supposed to give this into the offering, like my iPad. And then, of course, the organization will sell it, and then, you know, the money will go into the organization. And all of a sudden, it was like the spirit of generosity broke out. Who remember? Is anybody there? Yeah. It was like four hours. And people, one guy brought out like a, it was like a nine-foot boat, gave a motorcycle, cars, bicycles, silver and gold coins. I mean, engagement rings, diamonds, like bicycles. I mean, it was, someone gave a dining room table. Like, it was wild. It was wild. And I just saw, I remember, and this actually is the reason to this day why we have a building fund that we're still waiting to, to believe God to continue to grow so we can buy a building. This is, the re- this is kind of the beginning form of that, formation of that. Started off with a radical movement of generosity. But listen, this was what the Acts Church was like. It was uncomplicated generosity. Sacrificial generosity. And I believe all of us are called at some degree to walk in this, but some of us are called even more. Because some of us, God has given us a gift of giving. And only you can determine, and maybe that's to do with your skill, how much time you give to your job, to your relationships, to the house of God that you're a part of, whatever it is for you. Maybe you, only you can determine how much generosity and sacrificial generosity you are actually giving. That's up to you. But as long as you're operating in some form of that, Because convenient contribution is a stagnant type of contribution that does not truly build. This type of contribution serves with an unhealthy motivation. Whereas sacrificial contribution, which I call generous sacrifice, is what truly builds any business, family, organization, relationship, and or local church expression. Convenient contribution says, what's in it for me? Will it interrupt my life? Will it stretch me? Will it be hard? I'm not waking up early. I'm not going to bed late. And the list goes on. That's convenient. It has to feel convenient for me. That isn't the kind of contribution God wants for his house. He wants a house of sacrificial generosity. Where actually it means something to them. That's what an offering is. You know that, right? An offering is simply offering something that feels like sacrifice. Romans 12 says, Paul said, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This is a form of worship. It's a form of offering to God to sacrificially offer something that means something to us. Generous sacrifice says, I can't wait to encourage those around me. I'm nervous, but I'm excited to be stretched, challenged, and to develop new habits. I know it will be hard, but I'm willing because I know it's what God wants for me from me and how it will advance and impact the people around me that's what generous contribution or generous sacrifice sounds like god wants to encourage us today to change our mindset maybe it's within your job maybe you're like i'm not giving more than is asked of me that's not generosity 
the part of the reason why you maybe aren't advancing in life is because everything in life you are only giving the bare minimum to. Maybe you're not advancing in your relationships, in your career, and other areas of life that you want to advance in. Maybe it's because you're only giving the bare minimum. And you're basically contributing out of convenience rather than generosity. When generosity is the motivator, you build something. You advance. This was David's heart. David said, the king, First Chronicles, I'm almost done. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 1 to 9. Then David the king addressed the congregation. He said, my son Solomon was singled out and chosen by God to build the house of God, to lead. But he's young and untested, and the work is huge. This is not just a place for people to meet each other, but a house for God to meet us. He said, I've done my best to get everything together for building this house for my God. He got all the materials. He got gold, silver, bronze, iron, lumber, precious, very colored stones and building stones. He had vast stockpiles of them. And he says, he says this, furthermore, because my heart is in this, in addition to and beyond what I have gathered, I am turning over my personal fortune of gold and silver for making this place of worship for my God. Generous sacrifice. Generous sacrifice will always follow a heart that has vision. Generous sacrifice will always follow a heart that has vision. My hope is that you would get God's vision for your life as it pertains to being a part of advancing the kingdom in your life. Whether that's in your job, your family, relationships, the house of God, when you have his vision for your life, generosity follows. Generous sacrifice follows. Let's move from convenient contribution in this season to generous contribution in this season in every area of our lives. Then he says this. He's encouraging the people around him. David says, and now, how about you? This is around verse 5. How about you? Who among you is ready and willing to join in the giving? Ready and willing, the heads of families, leaders of the tribes of Israel's commanders and captains in the army, stewards of the king's affairs, stepped forward and gave willingly. They didn't give out of obligation. They gave willingly. In verse 9 it says this, and the people were full of a sense of celebration. All that giving and all giving willingly, freely, David was exuberant. My prayer is that in this season, in our house, we would celebrate generosity in a whole new way. My prayer is that in this season, you would be able to celebrate your generous sacrifice and the outcomes of that in your workplace, in your family, in your relationships, that you would see the result of your generous sacrifice. Maybe you've been living too convenient in the last season. It's my prayer and my hope for you that in this season, you would move from convenience to generosity because that's kingdom. I want you to stand up with me. Just close your eyes and just hear this, this verse, John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. This is Jesus speaking over you. My own peace I now give to you. Not as the world gives to you. The world gives to you a peace that's temporary. Eat this, do this, look like this, and you'll feel some peace. Buy this, move there, you'll feel some peace. Get rid of this relationship, you'll feel some peace. He says, I give you a peace, not as the world gives you peace. And he says, don't let your hearts be troubled or let yourself get afraid or be in fear. 
Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. Because Jesus has given you a peace, and if you could just lean into that this morning. He's given you a peace to move through agitation, to move through the disturbances of your life, to move through the fear that's coming at you in this season of your life. He's given you a peace. That's what's going to build a life that you are called to build. But sometimes, when you're not bringing your peace, your P-I-E-C-E, in every area of life, you're going to miss out on the peace of God because sometimes, in fact, all the time, when we're led by the Spirit, we find fruit. We experience the fruit of the Spirit. If you just sit back and never do what God's called you to do, never step out to do and say the things God's called you to say and and you wonder why you have chaos on the inside of you, it's because you're not living the life you're called to live, led by the one who's called you to live it. And when you are, you begin to find and experience peace in whole new ways. Maybe you need to step up in your current job right now and speak against some things, or, or maybe you need to step up your generosity in your current situation right now, go above and beyond what you're currently giving because that's a part of your promotion in the next season, and And you're going to find a whole new sense of peace that God wants you to find because you're finding him in being generous and following him in the process. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us wisdom this morning. 